0: welcome into a new episode of american ag today produced by the american ag network i'm your host jesse allen thanks for joining us here today well usda's federal milk marketing order modernization hearing begins today and dairy farmers are eager to be part of the process National Milk Producers Federation Director of Economic Research and Analysis Stephen Kane says there is a lot of ground to cover. It's a big
1: process. We don't do these very often. Last time we had a big process like this uh, was about 20 years ago. We developed a big package that we think is going to help the U.S. dairy farmer, but we're not the only kids on the block. There's some other groups in there that have some differing opinions, so we're going to have a good time explaining to USDA why I think some of these changes need to be made and why we think they need to be instituted in the way that we think they need to be done.
0: NMPF has spent two years preparing for the hearing, taking insights from the industry to craft proposals.
1: We've got kind of five key proposal pieces. Uh, a couple of the big ones, though, are looking at the classroom mover adjustment. You know, we we went to a, an average of three and four a few years ago that had some kind of unintended consequences. We're looking to go back to another mover now, it's called the higher of. Um, another key piece here is uh, the make allowance adjustments, updating those, make sure they're in line with with how the industry is operating today.
0: The hearing in Carmel, Indiana is expected to last a few weeks as USDA hears testimony from the dairy industry.
1: USDA is going to announce kind of a recommended decision here early at the beginning of next year, probably in February, March, and then we'll have some time for comments back and forth before they issue their final decision. That's likely going to come out in the June, July time from next year. So that'll be the big piece where everyone will kind of get a general idea of what the updates are going to be. And then after that, USDA will hold a referendum for each of the orders, allow them to vote in the changes if they'd like to. And then we'll finally get those fully effective there later in the fall of next year.
0: And Kane adds the goal of the effort is to benefit U.S. dairy farmers. We're trying to make
1: sure that things stay in line with how the industry operates today. You can imagine the industry's changed over 20 years and so some of these pieces of the orders have been updated in that time, so we're not looking to make some huge groundbreaking changes. This is more of a modernization effort, so we're making sure that all the things we're doing here is to benefit the U.S. dairy farmer, make sure that they're adequately being compensated, that they're being treated fairly, and really one of the big pieces here that we've done this time as well is to make sure that all of the changes and the updates that we looking to make are future-proof, making sure that we don't have these huge swaths of time where the industry gets out of line with the orders. At the end of the day, we think we have a really strong package of proposals that really can benefit the U.S. dairy farm and help them succeed.
0: Learn more online at nmpf.org. Well, the National Bison Association wants lawmakers to include the Truth in Buffalo Labeling Act in the new farm bill. Executive Director Jim Matheson says due to a regulatory loophole, water buffalo could be labeled simply as buffalo under the current Food and Drug Administration policy.
2: What this bill does is very simple. All it does is require water buffalo to be labeled as water buffalo as does buffalo because we Americans know buffalo as bison or buffalo. And under current FDA regulations, water buffalo can be labeled simply as buffalo for human consumption, which is obviously an issue to our food security.
0: He says so far the response has been good and is optimistic that this act will go through.
2: The reception we're getting back from Congress is that this is a very fair and simple act. There's no money involved, which always helps, uh, and that they foresee this being included in the the farm bill of the marker bill.
0: The bill has been introduced in both the House and the Senate. The legislation provides the FDA with the authority to ensure that products with water buffalo are labeled as water buffalo so consumers are not misled to believe the product contains bison. Bison products will continue to be labeled as bison or buffalo. Well, many lumber industry analysts believe the large scale of wildfires across Canada this year is reducing timber supplies over the long term. Wildfires in British Columbia, Alberta, Ontario and Quebec have already consumed more than 10 million forested acres, according to the Forest Products Association of Canada. And all four of those provinces have active forestry industries. John Duncanson is a vice president and timber analyst at Courton Capital in Toronto. Duncanson says the wildfires across many of Canada's major lumber producing areas are having and will continue to have an impact on the country's lumber sector.
2: This affects everything, pulp mills, plywood plants, anything that's consuming wood. You can't operate a sawmill or a pulp mill unless you have people working at it. And when you have small towns that have been evacuated where most of the employees work at the local mills, they have to shut the mills down. It's going to have a very significant impact.
0: For years, Canada's softwood industry's largest export market has been into the U.S. Now, many of the largest wildfires have taken place in British Columbia, home to Canada's largest lumber sector and the major softwood lumber exporter to the U.S., Dunkinson believes that fallout from this fire season will include the closure of some of the larger lumber mills in British Columbia.
2: The big export market for the Canadian lumber industry is the U.S., and I think it's starting to sink in that supply getting tighter. People are realizing this is going to have an impact short-term and long-term. I expect to see four or five large-sized sawmills in the B.C. interior permanently closed.
0: The lumber industry in Western Canada, especially British Columbia and Alberta, has been hit hard over the past five or six years. British Columbia had a major wildfire season back in 2018, and Dunkinson says that wildfire season happened immediately on the heels of a severe insect infestation that killed nearly 30% of the lodgepole pines in 2017 and 2018.
2: Western Canada has been forced to downsize largely because the timber base has been shrinking. A lot of that was brought on from the massive amount of lodgepole pine that was killed by the mountain pine beetle. The beetles basically run its course, it's no longer a threat, but that's largely because the beetles killed most of their host trees. It's all standing dead timber. You get a wildfire like we have right now, it just rips right through the pockets of pine that have been killed.
0: Again, John Dunkinson is a Canadian timber and lumber industry analyst based in Toronto with Corton Capital. And finally, here on this episode of American Ag Today, farmland values across the country climbed this year and hit record levels despite challenges like rising interest rates and extreme weather. That's according to data from the federal government. The Department of Agriculture found that U.S. farm real estate values, which includes all land and buildings on farms, increased 7.4% over the past year. Cropland values have grown 8.1% since 2022. Nationwide value of farm real estate and cropland also increased sharply from 2021 to 2022, 12.4% and 14.3% respectively. Additional reports from the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago and the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City confirm the USDA data. Farmland Partners, Inc. president and CEO Luca Fabri says, quote, These studies and similar reports coming from farm countries show that the farmland market is still strong and adding value, end quote. Farmland Partners is an internally managed real estate that owns and or manages nearly 186,000 acres in 20 different states. Well, that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today. Coming up here on some of our next episodes, we're going to hear sights, sounds, and commentaries from Dakota Fest, one of America's great farm shows that happens every summer in Mitchell, South Dakota. That's going to be coming up here on some of our next American Ag Today programs. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network, I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.